our theme this year is faith that moves mountains. And uh, we preached on that subject last week on faith that moves mountains. We're going to talk about faith every Sunday morning for till God tells us to stop. And we're going to talk about faith. And uh, we're going to have a message for you this morning uh, talking about having an attitude of faith. An attitude of faith. And we're going to talk about somebody who uh, went through many circumstances this morning. And uh, the word attitude is this, a way of thinking or feeling. The way of thinking or feeling. So we're going to say, well, you need to have faith. That needs to be your way of thinking. And the way that you feel is about faith. Having faith in God. And so let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to be here today. Lord, I ask you please to anoint me with your power. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help. I need your touch this morning. God, I ask you please to create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I pray that nothing that comes out of my lips today will be dishonoring to you. Lord, we ask you that your name be highly exalted in this place. If there's anyone here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you this morning. Lord, thank you for the faithful folks that are here every Sunday and every Wednesday and Lord, people that come as many times as they possibly can. Lord, I just thank you so much for their faithfulness. Thank you for the visitors that we have today as well. Lord, we're always blessed to see new faces around this place. And Lord, just thank you so much for all that you've been doing. Be with those that are still sick. Lord, dealing with this sickness that are going around. I pray that you'll heal them up quickly. Bring them back to church soon. Lord, we lift up Brandon to you today. Lord, would you touch him? Lord, as the great physician can, will you baffle the doctors? Allow the testimony of God to shine true to them. And Lord, I just pray that you'll be with the message. If there's any here that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. And that verse in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it's talking about having faith the size of a mustard seed. And I want you to look back there again quickly to Matthew 17. I need to get back to that place. I've already turned back to Genesis already. But Matthew chapter number 17 we're going to look at something here real quickly of what all is going on. And uh, starting in verse number 1, it says, After six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into the high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment as white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then, Peter, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must, come first, must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall, come, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And when they were come to the multitudes, there came a certain man kneeling down, uh, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, 
Have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why couldst not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I read that story because I want you to understand there's people that come to God for the wrong reasons. They come to the Lord because they want to uh, be noticed or they come to church because and do things in the church because they want people to see them. And listen, you read through Scripture and all through Scripture, the disciples, God had given them power. God had given them ability to heal folks and use that. But we understand it wasn't the disciples that healed anybody. It was Christ who healed them. And in this whole passage of Scripture, we're talking about the vision that they saw and they understood what was taking place. And uh, this guy comes before the Lord and he says, I took him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. And I believe in this whole passage, as you begin to study it and look around, is there's people putting too much trust in men. People putting too much trust in people. And understand this, people are going to fail you. The disciples were humans just like everybody else. The disciples understood that they had no power in and of their own abilities. You don't believe that. Read through uh, the, the book of Acts. And when people uh, fell down before Peter and all them, he told them to stand up because it wasn't about him. It was all about Jesus and talked about the one that was, being gonna be, that was being crucified and all that. So they understood it wasn't about them, but it was about Jesus. But oftentimes we come to church, I think, many times, and we have this mindset of, man, I hope the preacher's got a good message today. And we come depending on man and depending on the people that were around and all of this stuff rather than just having faith in who the one that brings the power is. And that's Jesus. And I think oftentimes in our service for the Lord also we get to the place in our service for God where we're depending on our own abilities. We're depending on our own uh, natural God-given talent sometimes rather than putting our faith in the Lord. And when these disciples couldn't heal him, I think because they had had opportunities to see people healed and things, sometimes they probably got complacent. Sometimes they forgot about where the power really came from. And I believe, Brother Ron, they got to the place where this guy comes, as lunatic, they probably thought, oh, we've done this before, this isn't going to be any big deal. And so they didn't really put their faith in God, they were just doing what they've always done, and hey, uh, let's try to get this uh, devil out of him, and they did, and nothing happened. And then they bring him to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we cast him out? Listen, here's the, here's the thing. They got upset that they couldn't do it, but that Jesus did it. And I got to thinking about there's times in our life we think, well, how come I don't get to do this? They ought to have rejoiced that God made him whole, but the fact of the matter is we get all upset because it wasn't us that was able to do it. We begin to focus on ourselves, not having faith in God. And oftentimes our churches struggle for that reason because we try to depend more on ourselves than we do on the Lord. And no matter where you look at the Bible, no matter what you go through in your life, if you don't depend on God, you're going to crumble. You're going to cave. You're going to fall. And I thought about somebody's life who was, uh, went through a lot of trying times, but God meant it unto good. 
I want you to take your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 37, if you would. Genesis chapter number 37. And I did all that to preface this uh, passage of Scripture because if you go into this passage of Scripture with a mindset of looking uh, around at people, you're going to be really discouraged. You're going to be really devastated. You're going to be, if you had to go through what this man goes through, you'd quit. You'd throw in the towel. You'd wave that white flag of surrender saying, I'm not doing any more for God. I'm not doing any more uh, for the cause of Christ. But this man understood what it was to have an attitude of faith. To have an attitude of faith. In Genesis 37, starting in verse number 24, we're talking about Joseph here, okay? It says, And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead, uh, from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh." And his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianite merchantmen. And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelite for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in blood. And they sent their coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, For I will go down to the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him in Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and the captain of the guard. Joseph, in this passage of scripture, was sold into slavery by his brothers. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was obeying uh, what his father had told him to do, different things. And he had told his brothers a dream to preface all this. And his brothers got mad at him because they said, we're not ever going to bow to you. We're not going to do all of that. And they were mad because his father uh, loved Joseph really more than he loved the others. And uh, they were jealous about that coat that the dad made for him. And they were jealous of all that Joseph was receiving and all this. And they thought about killing him. They put him into a pit and they began to decide, what are we going to do with our brother? And uh, as Reuben was gone doing something, they all said, hey, here comes some Ishmaelites. Instead of us killing him, let's, let's make something out of this. Let's sell our brother. And they sold Joseph to these Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. They sold him uh, into slavery, and uh, if we were in Joseph's shoes, we would have begun to complain and argue and ask God what was the deal, and we would have been uh, focusing on our circumstances around us, would have made us want to just uh, quit and, and ask, maybe think God hated us and all of these things. And uh, all this, Joseph still had a right attitude. You know, I believe if we're going to have the right attitude of faith, we must have a right way of thinking. 
we got to have the right way of thinking. See, we often get focused on the circumstances around us and all these things going on. And we're going to talk about some things about his brothers. But I believe his attitude towards his brothers at this point right now was he felt forsaken. He felt forsaken, didn't he? And you know what? There's somebody that I believe feels forsaken in our life. As I thought about Joseph, who Joseph was sold into slavery, he was sold uh, to those Ishmaelites and all these things. You know, we've been bought with a price by the Lord. We belong to him. But you know what happens? The first thing that comes by that we see, hey, maybe I can get something out of that. We just basically sell God out and we forsake him. But Joseph's attitude in all of this, see, aren't you glad that we, don't, we, we can have the mind of Christ? Because guess what, Joseph, if he was like most of us, you know what he would have done at that point? You know what, I'm done with this. I'm tired of that. I didn't do anything wrong, and now I'm down in a pit. My brothers just sold me for 20 pieces of silver. If you notice what happened in Jesus' life, he was sold out for silver too, wasn't he? Judas sold him out. All of those things. See, his attitude towards his brothers was forsaken. He felt deserted. He felt abandoned. But he knew God was with him. And listen, the fact of the matter is there's times in our life where we feel like we're all alone. We feel like we're by ourselves. We feel like there's nobody else doing what we're doing. You know, there's been times in the ministry that I've had people tell me, well, preacher, you know, you're just kind of one of those odd guys that still preaches too hard and still does all these kind of things. And, you know, sometimes you feel lonely because you look around and you see everybody else wanting to change and other people wanting to go this direction or that direction. But listen, I'm glad the Bible says, Stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old path. Where's the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your soul. Listen, we don't have time. Even though we may feel forsaken, it's not time for us to give up on God. It's time for us to keep going forward and doing what God wants us to do. And Joseph was in this time and I'm sure he was wondering why all this happened. I'm sure he was still flesh sometimes thinking, Why do I have to deal with all this? Why did I have to go through through all this but God had a plan and everything that was going on and Joseph was feeling forsaken at this time I'm sure but as the brothers sold Joseph for slavery I wonder what have we sold God to what have you sold out God for in your life if you have the right attitude towards faith guess what you're gonna even in the times that you feel forsaken you're still gonna cling to God In the times when it seems like you don't understand what's happening around you, you're still going to cling to God. But most of us, the first time that something appealing comes by us, guess what we do? We sell God out. And we say, God, you know what? This is more appealing to me. And his brothers then had to live their life in a lie. There's a lot of people sitting in churches today that live in a lie. They're sitting there living a lie. You know why? Because they sold God out. And now they're having to cover their tracks everywhere they go. You know, when they talk about that coat being dipped in blood and covered with that blood, you know what I I see a picture of in that passage of Scripture. Even though Christ was sold, guess what? His blood was covering for you and I. Without the shedding of blood, we sang that song, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you... uh, you feel forsaken and maybe you feel like uh, things have gone, your, gone opposite for you and you think, what in the world? Why am I in this pit in life? Well, I'll tell you first off, if you're not saved, you're in a pit because of sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. There's not a person sitting under the sound of my voice, a person that's ever been born, save Jesus and Jesus alone, that's ever lived a life without sin. We're all sinners. And we fall short of what's expected to get to glory where heaven is. 
There's not a person in this room that can say, well, just I'm better than they are, so God must find favor with me. No, he died for the lie. He died for the homosexual. He died for the drunkard. He died for all. All of them in his eyes were on even ground. They were sinners deserving of hell. And the Bible said that the wages of sin is death. And you know what? That death is not just physical. If you read through the book of Revelation, it says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You know what, uh, you, you, what awaits you if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ today? Fire and brimstone. A place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It says where the fire's not quenched and the worm dieth not. Listen, Hollywood's done a good job of desensitizing us to the fact that there's a real hell. Hell is a real place. It's not a place where you're going to go party with your friends. It's not a place where you're going to get to live it up while you're there and have a ginormous party while you're there. No, you're going to be screaming and crying and weeping and wailing and gnashing teeth, begging God to give you a little bit of relief. And there's people that say, well, a loving God would never do something like that. You're right, a loving God would send His only begotten Son that anybody who would believe on Him can have salvation. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and His precious blood that was shed on that cross, guess what? He didn't only die, but He has descended down into hell. And for three days, He took the keys of death and hell for you and I. And up from the grave He arose, conquering death and hell, so He can offer life everlasting to anyone that will receive it. And it's not something that you have to to work for it's not something that you can do and earn on your own and Ephesians 2 8 9 says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast you can't earn heaven all you can do is have faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for by grace are you saved through faith and as I thought about Joseph what a picture of what Jesus did for us he was sold and ridiculed mocked All those things that he didn't deserve. And that blood that they put on the coat was a representation of what Jesus did. His blood was being shed for you and I. But guess what? We live a lie most of the time. We think, well, I can go to heaven because I'm good. I can go to heaven because I come to church. I can go to heaven because... And guess what? We, we live in a world... I was just talking about it in Sunday school. We live in a world that believes that uh, they, they turn to fables. And they're, uh, they, they look to teachers having itching ears. And they don't want to have sound doctrine. Why is that? Because we haven't had faith. We haven't exercised faith. See, when James was speaking about faith in the book of James, he wasn't saying that you had to work to have faith. He was saying because of faith, it ought to produce works. And this attitude of faith, his attitude towards his brother was forsaken, but yet he kept faith. He kept faith. His attitude felt forsaken in all of this. And I can imagine what he's going through. I mean, you think about it. We, we, are, we are spoiled people, man. We're sitting in a building today. We're comfortable. I mean, we have uh, every one of us got here. I don't think anybody walked other than me. Don't you feel bad for me? You know, I had to walk to church today. My family and I walked to church today. They say, preacher, don't you have a car? No, we just live right there, so we're okay, all right? Uh, it didn't hurt us. We could have walked a little farther and probably have been okay. Um, but the fact is, we, we live in a society today where we're just spoiled people. But sometimes we feel forsaken. Why do we feel forsaken? Because sometimes we're trying to stand on the Word of God, and it just seems like everybody around us doesn't want what we have. It seems like when you stand true to the Word of God, man, opposition comes your way, doesn't it? And guess what it's going to? Because we're in a battle. We're in a battle. What's that battle all about? It's about the devil versus God. 
Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Satan doesn't care about you. Satan knows if he can get you, he can hurt God. It's not about hurting you. It's about hurting God. He could care less about you. He wants to hurt God. That's what the bigger picture is all about. But in chapter 37 here where he sold into slavery and we would all look at that and say, man, if God, God really loved Joseph, then why did he let Joseph go through all of this? You understand Joseph was just a product of the sin of his brothers. He was reaping the consequences of his brother's actions. You say, what do you mean? It means he was affected by decisions of somebody else. That's a lesson for all of us, isn't it? That our young people, our children, our spouses, everybody that we come in contact with, guess what? They have to deal with decisions we make. And Joseph had to go through a lot of stuff because of what his brothers did. His attitude towards his brothers, he felt forsaken. But I want you to see what's going on here in Genesis 39. Now, uh, flip over there if you would to Genesis chapter number 39. It says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, and an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him into the hands of the, uh, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in, the sight, in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put into his hands. You see, even when he was forsaken by his brothers, God was still with him. God was still with him. Verse 5, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his, in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Let me stop there for a second. We're going to get into a few more verses here. But let me explain something to you. You understand when you live a righteous life, your family can be blessed because of the life you live. You say, oh, I don't believe that. It said his house was blessed because of who? Joseph. Because even though he was forsaken by his brothers, he still did right, and the Lord was with him, and it said, and the Lord blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph. So listen, if everybody in your house isn't doing what's right, if you're doing right, guess what? God can still bless your house. I know there's people that, that are struggling. Man, I wish my family was in church with me. I wish all this stuff was going on, and you feel forsaken sometimes. But keep doing right, and the Lord will be with you. And he says that your house can be blessed because of your righteous living, because you're doing right. Look at verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the, in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her, to lie by her and to be with her. 
And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard these words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Listen, in this pit he felt forsaken. Now in this, before he got put into the prison, there was sin that he was confronted with. And his attitude towards that sin was fear. He ran from it. You know what? That's how our attitude ought to be towards sin. We ought to be afraid of it. He ran from it. You know, she's telling him a lie about all this stuff. And again, we're going to get into this here in just a minute of what took place during his circumstances. But he, he was confronted with sin. And he could have embraced sin. He could have yielded to that sin, that temptation that was being brought to him. But he ran from it. Listen, that's the mindset we ought to have. If we're going to have the mind of Christ, you know what we ought to do? The Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee from you. So let me ask you this. Did Joseph do wrong again? No, he stood up for right, didn't he? Now, I don't believe he should have been in a situation where he's by himself in that room. But the fact of the matter is this. We have to be careful. Why? Because there's an adversary of the devil that walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And oftentimes we'll look at sin as if it's not a big deal because guess what? We're just bombarded by it everywhere we go. And we've done such a bad job of standing up for righteousness that sin has become the normal. And we're not afraid of it. It doesn't bother us. That's why we can say words that are right on the line with curse words, right? We can say those things because guess what? Sin, we're not afraid of it. We don't fear sin. We're not afraid of, oh, well, that will never happen to me. You better watch out. Better watch out. Listen, you're no match for Satan. You're no match for Satan. But guess what? We serve one who is. We serve one who is. And listen, when, when you're confronted with, with sin, you know what your mindset ought to be? Fear. Run. Run from it. It said he ran away from it. He got out of that place. He said, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going this direction. He, he got away from it. And listen, the fact of the matter is sometimes, even right now, the Holy Spirit of God's pinpointing something in your life. He's saying, hey, this sin that's confronting you all the time that you are embracing, you need to run from it. You need to leave it. Get it gone out of your life. You know what? You need to say, I'm done with this. I'm out of here. I'm not going to dwell in this anymore. You know what? He ran from it. And his attitude towards sin was fear. He ran out of the, the place. He ran away from it. Listen, Potiphar's wife was trying to entice him to do wrong. 
And if you read through the book of James, chapter 1, verse 13, down through verse 16, it said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But any man is t- every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And it says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. You know what he's saying? Every one of us is going to be faced with temptation. Every one of us is going to be faced with adversity. Every one of us is going to be faced with that devil trying to devour you and his devil's trying to get you off course. But that little word, E-R-R, means don't deviate from a path or line of duty. See, God gave us a job to do, to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. But Joseph had this attitude. He had this attitude of faith. Man, he felt forsaken, but he yet trusted God. He felt uh, when he was faced with sin, he had this attitude of fear. That's what faith produced. Because he had faith in God, man, I'm telling you, he had a fear towards sin. And listen, when the closer you get towards God, the more you're going to hate sin. You know why? Because God hates sin. A holy God hates sin. You know what, child of God, it's not okay to live life the way you want to live it. Not okay. Well, God loves me just the way I am, preacher. Oh, yeah, he died on the cross for just the way you are. But once you get saved, the Bible says you're bought with a price. And guess what? When you're bought with a price, that means you don't belong to yourself. You belong to someone else. Because someone paid the debt for you. And that was Jesus. And it says, because you're bought with a price, it said, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Guess what? He's not calling you a God. He's saying you belong to God. You belong to God. So if you belong to God and God tells you to do something, is, do you have any right to tell him no? Because you don't belong to yourself. You're not your own. We have, there's been times that every one of us know that we've, we've had a selfish mindset, you know. Uh, well, that's mine. I want what's mine and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus isn't that way. Listen, he, he wants what's his. And he's a jealous God. But he make, lets you make a decision. He lets you decide what you're going to do. Now, guess what? You have to reap the consequences for the decisions that you make. Why is it so important for us to understand that God, because he loves us, chastens his children? Why is that so important? Because God wants us to understand some stuff that sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. That's why I teach parents, you know what, it's okay to discipline your children. You know why? Because if you don't teach them consequences for actions, they're never going to understand that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. They're not going to understand that sin has a penalty (laughs) that needed to be paid. And that they couldn't pay it on their own, but Jesus could. You know what, in Joseph's life, as I was thinking through this, his attitude towards his brothers, he felt forsaken, but yet he did not turn away from God. He stayed steadfast in it. His attitude towards sin was fear, and he ran from it. And it seemed like, man, you would think, wow, he did a great job. But now look what's happening. Accusations coming. Circumstances are getting even worse. Man, he was sold, and God was still doing good, shining through him. He was found favor in Potiphar's sight and made head over everything that Potiphar had and then Potiphar's wife lies about him and now he's thrown into the prison and in this prison we know what happened I'm not going to read all of it for sake of time but you know he comes in contact with a butler and a baker that were from the king's house and they both have a dream and Joseph interprets that dream for them And in chapter 40, I want you to flip over there quickly. Verse 21. 
you had this butler and this baker, and he talked about the dreams, and he told them what was going to happen, that one of them was going to be killed and the other one was going to be restored. And in chapter 40, verse 21, it says, And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, and he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Man, now here's his circumstance. His attitude towards his brothers were forsaken. His attitude towards sin was fear and all this. But his attitude towards his circumstance was faith. He just kept pressing on for God. And guess what? He, in this prison, here he is. He's in this prison and he just tells them this dream. And he says, listen, remember me when you go to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's there, and man, the guy's just happy he's out of prison. He forgets all about Joseph, all about the one that told him about his dream. He forgets all about this, and Joseph's now in prison for, I don't know exactly how long he's there, but he's there for a while, and he's in prison. And you would think, man, he did right. He wasn't doing anything wrong with his brothers, and he goes to the pit, and then he gets lied about, and now he's in prison. And still, all this time, he could have got the poochy lip disease like most of us and pouted and whined about things. But he still followed God. And he still tried to help others, even through a circumstance. Listen, I don't care what you're going through. You still need to reach out to others. You know why? Because when you reach out to others, you'll realize that your problem's not as big as you thought it was. You start reaching out to others, you'll understand that there's a lot of people going through a lot of things. And when you start focusing on others, that's where real joy comes from. When Jesus is first, others are second, and you are last, that's where true joy comes from. And you'll find joy. But you know what you're going to have to have to go through that circumstance? You're going to have the right attitude. The right way of thinking. Well, What way of thinking do we need to have? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen, church, we're never going to make a difference in this world unless our attitude is right. Now, what's it got to be? Our way of thinking. What way of thinking is that? Thinking the way Christ would think. Doing what he would do. I used to uh, just get tired of people always saying that, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? That WWJD sign all over the place. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Why would I get frustrated about that? Because you know what? We need to ask that question. What would he do in our circumstance? What would he do through it? Sometimes we go through the circumstance, and you know what? I've been in circumstances before where I've cried out to God, Brother Rex, and I just didn't hear anything. I felt alone. felt forsaken. And I cried out to him again, and I just felt like I was in bondage. I didn't know what was happening. God, why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you listening? God, why aren't you responding? And what he showed me was this, that the teacher is always silent during the test. And when you're going through the test of life, the teacher's not always going to give you the answers. The teacher's going to sit there and wait to see if you paid attention during what was going on. And guess what? In Joseph's life, he paid attention. He was put in a prison. He was put in a pit, and all these things, God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. Now he's circumstances towards all of this stuff. Now he's still having faith. He's in this prison, still trying to help others during this time. But I want you to look at chapter 50. Genesis, chapter number 50. There's a famine in the land. 
you know what happens. Finally, the Pharaoh has a dream. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, the butler says, I know somebody that told me my dream. That guy can interpret your dream. And now Joseph comes out and Joseph talks to Pharaoh and tells him the dream. And you know what happens? Joseph begins to store things up and he tells him famine's coming and uh, all this stuff. We need to be ready for this time. And now Joseph is doing all this stuff, putting all this stuff in the storehouse. And guess who gets to come and visit Joseph? The very ones that put him in the pit, his brothers. His family now is facing before him. The people that hurt him, his, his ones that are falsely accusing him, the ones that are there now, here's the second in command over all the kingdom. And now his brothers are standing here facing him. And you know what happens, how he gets Benjamin to come back with them and all those kind of things are taking place. He's going through all this. And in chapter 19, or in verse 19 of chapter 50, and Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. And most of us would have stopped right there. Now's my chance. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and we leave off, saith the Lord. We have, hey, guess what? Now's my chance to get even. Husbands, wives, let's learn something from this. When you get in an argument, it's not time to get one up on the other person. When you have a brother or sister that offends you in Christ, guess what? It's not, hey, guess what? Now's time for me to rub them into the ground. But Joseph, guess what? Well, nobody would have blamed Joseph if he'd have put his brothers in prison. You know what? For all these years, I haven't got to see my father. For all these years, I haven't got to see my brother, Benjamin. All these years, I haven't got to be with my family because you meant it for evil. But he continues on. He said, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You know what his attitude towards the people were? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you're going to have the mind of Christ, guess what your attitude needs to be? What's real faith all about? You need to have forgiveness. I believe there's people that sit in our churches today that struggle with forgiveness. And the Bible says this, that if you won't forgive others, how can God forgive you? We've got to have forgiveness. We've got to have forgiveness. Aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Aren't you glad that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins? What an example he is of forgiveness. You know why it's hard for us to forgive? Because we're not walking in the one who is forgiveness. We're not having faith in the one who is the very, uh, who's, who's the one that just, it flows out of him as forgiveness. He is the very essence of forgiveness. And Joseph now is being confronted by his brothers. He sees their need. And you know what? His opportunity was now. He could have saved his father and saved Benjamin, but he could have put his brothers through a bad time. But he said, listen, God had a plan. God understood. You meant it for evil, but God meant it unto good. His attitude towards people was forgiveness. Let me ask you a question. How's your attitude today? What's your mindset all about? Do you have a fleshly mindset? It's all about us. It's all about me. What can I get? Lord, what's in it for me? 
Or is it all about him? See, Joseph understood what it was all about. He understood what faith was. Through. Guess what? I was in a pit. God, I can't believe you let me go through that. No, God's with him. God was with him. Remember Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. This was a training ground for Joseph. Well, I don't think that was fair that God put him through all that, that false accusations and all those kind of things. Guess what? You serve God, Satan's going to come after you. But you just keep on going. You keep on going. And you know what? When there's been people that have offended you, people that have hurt you, we live a life of grudges. That's what happened with Saul. King Saul was jealous somebody else was going to get his kingdom. His disobedience, his own decision to make the wrong choice, he blamed other people for. And he lived a bitter, miserable life. But you know what? Joseph could have been upset. He could have been bitter. He could have been miserable. But he chose to forgive. And he said, you meant it unto evil, but God meant it for good. You know what? That's what's having an attitude of faith is all about. It's understanding that even in our circumstances, when we're faced with tough decisions, we don't make them in the flesh. We make them in the spirit. And we follow after the Lord. The first thing you need to do in this room this morning, if you aren't saved, you need to get saved. Because everything I talked about this morning is foreign to you. If you don't have Jesus inside of you. You say, well, preacher, what do I need to do? Nothing but believe and trust him as your savior. Everything that was the hard part's already been done. He died on the cross, shed his blood for you and I, took the keys of death and hell, rose from the grave, and offers life everlasting to anyone who will receive it. And he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, if you're here today and you're not saved, all you have to do is by faith put Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Ask him to forgive your sins and to give you a home in heaven. Guess what he said? And you shall be saved. Well, preacher, that's just easy. No, salvation wasn't easy. Jesus just did the hard part. Jesus did the hard part. But once you get saved, guess what? You're going to be faced with circumstances. You're going to feel forsaken. Sin's going to face you. And guess what? When sin comes at you, you ought to have a spirit of fear and run from that. You say, well, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He did towards sin. In that aspect, you know what? He talked about when circumstances come, don't be afraid because you're not by yourself. But when sin faces you, you ought to run and run quickly. Why? Because one bad decision can affect you for the rest of your life. No, it can't, really. We're suffering the consequences of Adam's sin. One person who disobeyed God affects every one of us. Don't believe it? Ecclesiastes 9.18 says this, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. One person that chooses not to obey God can affect the spirit of the whole church. Let me encourage you, make the right choice. Follow God. Have faith in God. You know what? Faith is action. This attitude of faith is having the mind of Christ. That's where you got to start. If you're saved, you have the, the Lord Jesus living inside of you, you need to get in the Word and begin to develop the mind of Christ. Because guess what? It's not smooth sailing through the Christian life. You're going to be faced with tough choices. You're going to be faced with tough, tough circumstances. And usually when you talk about those people are going to say, well, preacher, I don't want none of that. Guess what? The world's not any better. You can get out there, you're going to have tough choices, tough circumstances, and you are going to be alone. You're going to feel that way. Why? The Lord's there ready for you to come back whenever, but he's not going to accompany you into your sin. 
You understand that? Yes, you might be saved and he lives inside of you. But the fact of the matter is he does not want that sinful life. You know what he wants? He wants you to live a righteous, holy life. And he's willing to come back and forget, to take you back and forgive you when you ask for forgiveness. But our attitude towards sin ought to be fear. We ought to run from it. Our attitude towards our circumstances ought to just be faith in God. We don't always understand why we get faced with what we get faced with, but we ought to just trust the Lord for it. And then our attitude towards others that have hurt us ought to be forgiveness. I believe there's some people in this room today got to get some things right with somebody else. I don't know about a lot of things that are going on. I know some things. As a pastor, I get to hear some things, and I don't try to stand up here and preach based on circumstances that are happening. But I know inside people's hearts, they carry around hurt. They carry around feelings of abandonment, feelings of maybe somebody did something wrong to them, and they just say, you know what, I'm just not going to fellowship with them. I'm not going to talk to them. You know what, as far as I'm concerned, they don't exist. That's not, that's not a spirit that God would have. That's not the mind of Christ. He has forgiveness. And guess what? I believe there's some of us today, if we want to see genuine revival, we need to develop the mind of the Lord today. And that means you've got to forgive some people that have hurt you. That means you've got to just cling to the Lord through your circumstance. And maybe you're good with the forgiveness part, but you're just struggling with standing through the hard times. Listen, just trust God. The Lord's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It says, and having done all to stand. Well, how do you do that? Is you let the Lord hold you up. You let the Lord hold you up. With our heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, I want to ask this question first. Are you 